It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast, episode number 150. So that's like, I don't know, not really a milestone, and we're not doing anything to uh, commemorate it other than having our friend Anthony Dasher on the podcast to preview Mizzou, Georgia. Dash covers the Georgia Bulldogs for UGASports.com. What's going on, man? Man, I feel so honored to be on such a you know a, a, a momentous occasion here. One fifty, that's pretty good. It's incredibly prestigious. Um, we have yet to win any like podcasting awards. I don't know if they have those, but we have not been nominated for any. <laughs> still an honor, still an honor. And by the way, excuse my voice today. I'm a little bit hoarse. I don't know why. Why I decided to catch this cold all of a sudden. <laughs> that's all right, man. No, it's always good to uh, to get sick right before a uh, big travel oh, yeah. weekend. So exactly. All right, I, I want to start with something that has uh, nothing to do with this weekend's game, but first want to ask you, covering Kirby Smart, a fun media job or the most fun media job? Um, not the most fun <laughs> media job right now. <laughs> yeah, I bet after last week especially. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's uh, things are being done a bit differently in Athens now, uh, you know, uh, yeah, for one, you know, Georgia used to have his uh, you know, weekly press uh, conference on Tuesday. Now it's done on Monday. You know, the media used to get, you know, anywhere from seven, eight, nine players for that Tuesday conference. Now we get just four. And um, we, you know, we've, and, and not much availability after that. Now we are told we can uh, request, uh, you, know, four, you know, three players a day on Tuesday and Wednesday. But the uh, problem is, Coach Martin never approached we request. So it's pretty much a, uh, <laughs> A worthless point to, to do that right yep. now. So, uh, the beat writers that cover George have to be a little more innovative right now and in, uh, doing their job. Yeah. Now, in, in all seriousness, I mean, he he does strike me as a guy whose sideline demeanor is like almost borderline. Bo Pelini is is he uh, a, a little bit crazy on the sidelines, or is that yeah. overblown? Well, I tell you, for Missouri fans, watch Coach Smart this weekend. He will have a. The strength and conditioning coach will stand right behind him with his finger hand on the back of his belt, back of his pants, to hold him from running out on the field. So it's uh, <laughs> definitely a little bit different. Uh, I, I something you never would have dreamed of with Mark Rigg, but it's certainly the case with Coach Mark. I, I mean, who doesn't grow up thinking, you know what I want to do when I grow up? I want to hold the coach's <laughs> belt loop so he doesn't go I crazy. I want to be a belt holder when I grow up. <laughs> right. <exactly>. That's <laughs> awesome. All right. Now, let's talk a little bit about this game. And, and first, let's go back to last week. I mean, yeah. I only watched the fourth quarter. I, and I've said all week, look, you cannot convince 20-year-old kids who are 55-point favorites that they have to do anything other than show up on Saturday. I mean, was that just a case of a game that Georgia didn't think it had to take seriously, or was there maybe a little bit of exposure that happened? Um, I, I think it was, well, maybe a little bit of both. I, I definitely do, like you said, Georgia definitely overlooked uh, the nickel, especially the first drive where Georgia goes down and scores with five, six, seven plays, whatever it was. It made it look extremely easy. And I'm sure at that point, everybody, all the players, all the coaches, all the player, people in the stands probably thought, hey, it's going to be another walk in the park, but Georgia just, 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 for whatever reason, just quit playing. Just uh, didn't show any energy, any focus, any effort. And uh, if it wasn't for a little, you know, that final four-minute drive, uh, you know, the Grace Lambert came in and, uh, and got a couple of big first downs. I mean, they've been talking about what some would have called the biggest upset in college football history because Georgia, Georgia played terrible. That was one of the worst games, if not the worst game I've ever seen this team play. Now, so I've been covering this team for 20 years now. Wow. And now, I mean, if there was something in that game where you go, Okay, now this 
maybe this isn't as good as we thought it was. I mean, was there it was there an area that that maybe you looked at and said, "All right, I don't care if they care about this game or not. Nichols shouldn't have been able to do this." Oh, the offensive line, no question. I mean, uh, now granted, you no know, Nichols had some transfers on there, some D one transfers on the defensive line. Uh, big, big kid, three hundred ten, three hundred twenty pounds. But uh, uh, you're, I mean, if you're a Georgia Bulldog, you can't uh, move an FCS, you know, defensive line. Something, something's kind of scary wrong right there. Nick Chubb only got what eighty yards in this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I thought I thought Nick Chubb had eighty yards and three carries against Nichols, which he probably should have, honestly, you know, had. But uh, offensive line has a lot of issues. It's working out right now. Uh, Got a lot, most of the same players, but they're just, uh, again, just the effort wasn't there uh, and no excitement, no energy. And it's been a big week for those guys. Those guys have really been a focal point for uh, for the coaches and trying to get some of that uh, you know, effort energy back. Because, uh, again, I know Missouri's had some, uh, maybe some issues on the defensive line right now, but uh, this is a group that Georgia, if they go and play the way they need this nickel, they're going to eat alive. Yeah, no no question about that, but I don't think Missouri fans are expecting the same effort. Uh, talking with Anthony Dasher about the University of Georgia, and um, you mentioned Nick Chubb. So first off, uh, I mean, Dash, I've, I've said on this podcast last week, look, I understand why Missouri fans want him to have a horrible day on Saturday and not play well at all. But if you don't feel pretty good watching Nick Chubb on the football field, you're not a college football fan. I mean, that, when when he went down last year, I, the first time I saw it, I thought that kid's never playing football again. Was that the reaction yeah. there too? Oh, no doubt. I mean, first thing I thought of was Marcus Lattimore from South Carolina. I, uh-huh. I thought it was a very similar type of injury. Of course, you no know, Nick told everything except his ACL, but it was a just a brutal knee injury. And I, I wouldn't give you you know ten cents for chances of him, you know, coming back this year and playing. But uh, you know, again, uh, I've been covering the team a long time, and I've I've, I've I've known a lot, a ton of players. He is probably I could probably put put on my on my one hand uh, you know three or four guys who were I thought had more you know type of guts and testing forward too than Nick Chubb had to bounce back from this the effort he put in to come back to get back to 100 uh, percent from what he was you know before the injury he's just an incredible young man and uh, I think he's a I think he's a treasure for college football from what all he's gone through what all he's been able to overcome now uh, is he the same back he was a year ago. Mm-hmm. He may be a um, hard to tell. He, he may be a tick, you know, slower than than before. I mean, it's, it, I don't know if it's really that discernible, but uh, it, it just seems like on some of the outside runs here that may may be the case. But he's still running. I mean, he still has had any, you know, he's got blocking. He's never had had, had any kind of issues. I mean, two hundred twenty-two yards against North Carolina. He did have the fifty-five uh, yard run where he outran the secondary. So he's he's still plenty fast enough. Whether it's the same speed he did. Before is you know maybe not quite, but he but he's close. I mean, I I should sit here and say he's lost speed because that would be unfair of me to do that. Now uh, I want to ask you because we're we're kind of transitioning to who Kirby Smart might decide to play at quarterback. I'm assuming the answer is going to be both of them. But uh, somebody told me, and I was not on the call, but that on Kirby Smart's conference call, somebody mm-hmm. actually asked him. Uh, if there was anything to the fact that Nick Chubb had a better rushing average when Jacob Eason handed him the ball than than when Grayson Lambert did, is is that like a real thing? No, it's actually flip flop. Actually, he's actually oh, got okay. a better rushing average when Jacob is in the in the game. So yeah, I don't, that's not that doesn't have anything to do with the decision that's going to be made. Yeah. It doesn't matter who is going who replaces him. It's good the game plan. Right now, I thought I think that's going to be Jacob Eason. You think it'll be Eason? Uh, do you uh, think yeah. Do you think both will play though? I think both will play, but Jacob, I think just, uh, I mean, with his arm strength, I think he gives him more opportunity to maybe hit some deep balls and, and ask him, and his arm alone will be something I think Missouri would have to respect. And, and getting eight, 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 nine guys out of the box is something that George has to do this weekend. I mean, North Carolina did it. 
you know, Nichols did it, and I'm sure Missouri's going to try to do some of the some of the same things. So they've got to be able to execute in the passing game, maybe throw them first down, and know a little more than they have uh, have done so far this year because of. Great as Nick Chubb is, I mean, you put eight nine guys in the box, it makes it awfully tough. Yeah, now Missouri fans are plenty familiar with a uh, heavily hyped freshman quarterback having some struggles. Now it's only two weeks in. Jacob Beeson may end up having a fantastic season, but uh, you know, I, I mean, from what you've seen, how ready is this kid to be a starter in the SEC? I think he's ready, but I think at the same time, you know, Georgia fans have to be ready for him to make some freshman mistakes. I mean, he's still. A little bit slow getting in and out of the huddle. He's still a little bit questionable, I think, with some of his reads and, and, and checks at the line of scrimmage. And we saw that last week with the interception uh, he had. I mean, it was uh, just a play that shouldn't have been thrown, but he kind of tried to force it a little bit. So uh, you're going to get those kind of mistakes when you play a true freshman. I mean, I know Missouri saw that with Drew Locke last year. You'll see mm-hmm. some of the similar things with Jacob. But, again, there's no denying the talent he has. But, again, you all know that in the SEC, a true freshman quarterback, that's just – that's a tough road to go. It really is. No doubt about it. Last one on the offense. Uh, Barry Odom mentioned two or three times on Monday how impressed he was with Georgia's tight ends. Uh, tell us about, about the guys they use, and, and is that as big a key to their offense as, as Odom made it sound like? Uh, I think so. I mean, Georgia's as deep as with tight ends as the Chicago tight ends that they've had in a, in a number of years. I mean, Jeff Blazevich is a junior, but the freshman they have on this team, uh, five-star, you know, Isaac Nauda was, I think, the top-rated uh, tight end by, by rivals last year. Was, uh, an early role, these guys got a lot of playing time. But a guy to look for, what really highly, you know, is highly re- regarded as maybe some Charlie Warner. He was a, you know, his uh, uncle was a legend in Georgia back in the 1980 championship year. This guy is 6'5", 250 pounds. He caught like a 26-yard pass. He, can run, he used to play running back and wide receiver in high school. And somebody, I think, before his career is over, is going to be a really special kind of cat. And I've also got Jackson Harris, a sophomore, he's like 6'3", 250. And that's Jordan Davis. So they got they got four or five guys at that tight end that uh, I think you'll see Jim Cheney the offense corner really starting to kind of implement a lot more than what you've seen so far this year. All right, let's flip over sides of the football and, and I find it pretty interesting the two head coaches, the similarities here. I mean, they, they cut their teeth as is defensive coordinators now back in their first year as head coaches where they played defense in college. Uh, how how involved is Kirby Smart with the down to down defense at Georgia? Oh, extremely involved. I mean, uh you see him at Price every day. He's right there with the, with the secondary with uh, just as coordinator Mel Tucker. He's, he's, he's definitely in there as much as you can be. Pretty much, I think, very similar to what uh, the situation was. He was with Alabama with Nick Saban. Coach Smart has really uh, got his finger on the def- pulse of the defense. And uh, he's, he's he's probably much as <laughs> a defensive coordinator as, as Mel is, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, now uh, just give me kind of big picture strength and weakness of this Georgia defense at least a couple weeks in. Yeah, well, youth, it's very young. I mean, defensive line especially. I mean, uh, they've got four true freshmen who are rotating in and out on the defensive line. Talented guys, but, again, guys just getting their feet wet in college football. Uh, um, Trenton Thompson, a uh, sophomore, former five-star kid, I think had a chance to be one of the better defensive linemen in the league coming off an 11-tackle performance. But, you know, Georgia right now has had some issues, uh, you know, getting sacked. And none of the outside backers, uh, you know, uh, um, um, you know, Jordan Jenkins led for losing those two guys, and Lorenzo Carter, Devin Bellamy have yet to get a sack yet this year. So that's a problem. I think they need to kind of rectify. Not to say they haven't gotten pressure or they haven't had to affect quarterbacks, but they haven't gotten the, the sack to bring up second long, third long uh, situation. Defensive backfield against North Carolina, which did a lot of hurry up, uh, fast pace up, like I'm pretty sure Missouri will try to do. They, you know, Georgia got lucky there on a few occasions. They were, mm-hmm. A few guys got deep and it wasn't for a couple of great individual efforts by Maurice Smith. So, yeah. 
grad transfer from Alabama and Malcolm Pence cornerback. Uh, you might have seen Georgia get hit for a couple of big scores against North Carolina. So getting getting those defensive backs to play a little better technique and a little better fundamentals is going to be key for this one as well. I, I want to say before we move on to the next question, I, I could listen to people from your area of the country pronounce the state of North Carolina for like days on end. I, I enjoy it. <laughs> um, North Carolina. But, but uh, Kirby Smart, uh, it, Reference what you said. Hey, we got lucky not to get beat deep against uh, yeah. against the Tar Heels. And uh, look, nobody is going to say that the Eastern Michigan secondary and the Georgia secondary need to be mentioned in the same chapter of a book, much less the same sentence. But that was an area Missouri had success last week. Uh, you know, just just sending guys. Deep. Drew Locke was four or six on passes over thirty yards, and mm-hmm. and the two he missed went off somebody's fingertips. I mean, they were yeah. they were six inches from being great throws. Is that do you think that is George's biggest concern, or is it is it something different? No, 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 no doubt it's the biggest concern. I mean, Coach Smart talked talked in length a couple of times about Drew and, and the job he's done. The fact he thinks that Drew throws one of the better deep balls he's probably ever seen. He had a, a lot of very good things to say about uh, Mr. Locke and his, his abilities, and, and again with uh, what he's seen so far the secondary, some of the issues George has had in coverage. That's no doubt a, a huge concern for Georgia this game Saturday. All right, so uh, all I know. When it comes to this game, is I don't know much about either team. Uh, I don't yeah. know if Georgia's what we saw week one or week two, or if same for Missouri. Uh, I, I hope we don't see the same game we saw when Georgia came here last time. Not because it like I care that Missouri lost, just because. Right. Good lord, that was a terrible was football a game. That was a shocker, <laughs> and, and it was so bad yeah. to watch. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I would never would have dreamed Missouri would have played that bad in that contest, and. People look at the 34 dollars score and said, yeah, Georgia really spanked him, which is true, but uh, and Georgia had a lot of help in that contest, a yeah. lot of help. Yeah, five <laughs> turnovers versus 10 first downs. Uh, uh, yeah. Two stats that blew me away. I looked up Missouri in the last two games against Georgia has gained a total of 311 yards. And, mm-hmm. and the second one, like my memory of that game was that Nick Chubb just destroyed Missouri. And yeah. I mean, he did have 143 yards, but he only averaged 3.9 yards a carry. It was more impressive that he carried the ball 38 times than what he actually did with it. Oh, exactly. Yeah, people forget about that. That was just coming out parties. People know me. Todd Gurley just been suspended, and uh, you know, I went into that game thinking they would lean on Nick, but man, I said 38 carries was uh, something. He just he took a pound, but kept on just getting enough, chugging along just enough to get some you know, get some key first downs out and keep the chains moving. What do you expect out of this game? I mean, prediction or not, I don't care, but just what kind of game do you expect? Man, I, I'm, I'm like you. I'm still trying to figure out what kind of Georgia team this is. I'm sure you're just doing the same with uh, Missouri right now. I mean, I, I, I do think Georgia's offense line will play much better because that's all they've heard this week is how bad they were against Nick. But I do think they'll come out with more, more fire. But I, I, the thing for me, though, for Georgia is how successful, uh, you know, are they going to be throwing the football? They've got to take advantage of these one-on-one situations they're getting right now. And uh, wide receiver, they're, they're, they've been a little door scuffle a little bit. Kirby Smart makes a, a big deal in the with receivers by being able to block, and that's been a, a problem. If the guys don't block, they don't play. Problem is, probably Georgia's best pass catcher, Terry Godwin, you know, uh, is, is probably one of the worst blockers on the team. So they need to find a way to, to, to get him out of there where he doesn't have to do much blocking. But uh, that, that's the thing. They've got to get Missouri out, out of the box because if they don't, then they're just to focus on, on Nick Chubb, not worry about the pass again. And it could be a could be a difficult afternoon for Georgia. All right, last thing for you, and in my mind, the most important, you are flying into Kansas City near and dear to my heart. So what barbecue restaurant are you going to? We're still debating that right now. I've actually been to Kansas City enough now. I've hit all the top ones, so it may be a, 
just a repeat performance for me somewhere. All right. Well, there's a new one that that it's just in the last couple of years. I don't know if it was there last time you were there, but look up a place called Q39. It's down pretty close to Westport. It is. Uh, it's my new favorite. Mentioned. Yes, I've heard that one mentioned. I'm, I'm, I might have to just do that. All right, Dash. We'll look forward to seeing you, man. Safe travels, and we'll talk to you on Saturday night. All right, Gabe. All right, have a good one. Anthony Dasher, UGASports.com. They do a great job covering the University of Georgia. Guys, if you're a, a rival subscriber, go over, check out their site. I mean, every day, multiple stories, all kinds of stuff. So check it out for uh, all the latest on Georgia football. Uh, again, Georgia-Missouri, 630 on Saturday night at Faroe Field. Every week or two, we're going to try to bring in a former Tiger, let you guys hear from uh, from some of the guys you've watched over the last few years and Bringing in this week, I think uh, certainly fair to say one of the fan favorites over the last few years, LaDamian Washington, former wide receiver for Mizzou. LaDamian, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, sir. How about yourself? I am very good and appreciate you taking some time to talk to us. And first off, before we talk a little Missouri football and, and your memories and stuff like that, just uh, want to know kind of what you're doing these days. Um, honestly, um, last few days, uh, well, like the last previous year, you know, I had a couple of, couple of – uh, Rough spells with the NFL, a couple of injuries kind of knocked me out. And so, honestly, been having some negotiation with some CFL teams, been trying to get my motivational speaking off the ground, and also uh, getting ready to move back to Columbia and just get like a temporary job until I can get my negotiations with the CFL out the way. And so, if you know anybody in Columbia looking for a handyman, uh, I'm the guy for the job. <laughs> All right, man. Good, good to know. Uh, hey, I I have a rough time doing what my wife wants me to do around the house, so maybe I'll pay you a few bucks. <laughs> but, yeah, I can um, wash the dishes for a little while. <laughs> there you go, man. Good, good deal. Good to know. Uh, you mentioned motivational speaking. I mean, I think most Missouri fans are are familiar with your story and, uh, and you and your brothers basically uh, kind of raising each other down in Louisiana. So first off, How's your family? And second off, tell us a little bit about the speaking and, you know, what kind of what your message is. Yeah, well, so the family's great. Um, recently, I just moved my little brother up to Columbia, got him in an apartment, got him a job. Um, he's taking online courses, so he's doing really great. So I just kind of wanted him to get out of Shreveport and see what the Columbia life and atmosphere is because it's one of the great places I've been, and I've been all over the world, and Columbia forever has my heart for sure. And I'm in the process of moving one of my other brothers up, but until – you know, before I can do that, I have to kind of get myself established back in Columbia and get, you know, reestablished with everybody and just kind of find a filler with the job. And the motivational speaking, um, I don't really have a message. You know, I usually whatever someone asks me to come in and talk about, and that's kind of what I talk about. I speak directly from the heart. I don't write any notes. I just come in and I speak on whatever topic. I've spoken at middle schools. I've spoken at uh, retreats for, like, uh, different realty uh companies it it just depends i've spoken for fca conferences uh basically on a wide platform so you know i don't really have any limitations on what i will come in and speak about honestly okay now mizzou faces georgia uh th this weekend and i you might disagree i think a lot of people if they think of your career the one play they would would put above all others is is the double pass in athens first of all is that the most memorable one for you um, either that one or the Texas A&M that clinched to go to the SEC championship, but that's definitely one. Every time I'm out or if I come back to Columbia, somebody's like, oh, man, I remember that play where somebody threw it back to Bud Sasser and he threw it up to you, man. That's like my favorite play in Missouri <laughs> history. So it's, it's great to be remembered by because as a kid, I grew up watching Georgia, and, I mean, it was one of the places that, you know, as a kid, like you kind of wish that you could have went to, but I didn't. I went to Mizzou, which is the best decision I've made. So it's kind of one to kind of like stick it to him, and uh, it was yeah. great. <laughs> Two moments in, in that game stand out. First of all, just the 
the momentum swing of, oh, my God, the starting quarterback might be out for the season to like three plays later, you guys scoring on the trick play. And then one of my favorite pictures in Missouri history is you saluting the crowd in Athens. There was a there was a little bit of talking going on after the, that game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, because of the disrespect Georgia has showed us in the, the, the previous year. You know, the week before that, Vanderbilt had beat us. I mean, we went to Vanderbilt and beat them because they had beat us at Mizzou the previous year. We just had a lot. We just had it out for everybody that year. We <laughs> were just kind of like on our own little personal mission. And we had been so disrespected because before that season, we went 4-0 in non-conference, and everybody was like, oh, by the end of October, Mizzou would be 4-4. and and so we go to Vanderbilt, that's like always Vanderbilt. And so we went to Georgia when they was ranked five or six in the nation, and we beat them. And it was just kind of like, hey, we're Mizzou football. We have arrived. We are here. So it's kind of a signature moment for us. It's interesting. Uh, you guys were so under the radar starting that 2013 season. And, you know, kind of similar to this year's Missouri team. I mean, you were coming off of 2012 that – it wasn't very good, and people were saying, ah, I don't know where the program's going. The SEC's really tough. I, are there some similarities from, from that team to what you see out of Missouri football and where they're at right now? Yeah, I think the only difference is these guys are a little bit younger than what we were. We had um, just some older guys that were seniors that kind of had a little bit more playing experience. But what I see with these guys in the direction that they're headed up under uh, Coach Odom, um, I see nothing but you know great things coming. And these guys, uh, they have momentum coming in from last game. And uh, this game is at the zoo, which is a place, you know, few can come in and, you know, win. And so I'm excited about the opportunity for these guys because Georgia is, you know, in the East, they're one of the primetime teams. And I think it's nothing but great things ahead for this team. They're young, they're ambitious, they're hungry. And so, you know, a lot of people are doubting them. And anytime you have motivation like that, you know, it's kind of scary what you can accomplish. And now I, I could have dates confused, but I think pretty much your years in Columbia happened to be Barry's years in Memphis. Were you guys at Mizzou at all at the same time? Or do you know Coach Odom very well? Well, that's the funny thing. Um, so Coach Odom was an ops guy my senior year in high school and I was a late addition to Mizzou um, mm -hmm. recruiting class that year because, you know, I was under the radar a, a lot. I didn't get to go to any camps. So they, they couldn't send any coaches. So they sent this ops guy to come recruit me like the last two weeks. And it happened to be coach Odom who showed up at my doorstep. Um, and so we maintained a relationship when he got to Mizzou, I used to go over his house, you know, meet his family. We have a great relationship. And when he went to Memphis, um, they got a bowl game in Miami that year, and I was with the Dolphins the end of my rookie year, and he asked me to come in and speak to his team. And uh, we couldn't – the time schedules didn't meet up, but we always talked and kept in communication um, a lot. Coach Odom's like one of my best, best friends, so he's a, he's a great guy and a, a great mentor to me for sure. That's great. I didn't know that. Again, we're talking to uh, former Mizzou wide receiver LaDamian Washington, and and uh, speaking of coaches, want to jump back, and, and we try, frankly, not to talk a whole lot about uh, last year, just kind of move on from that one. But just what was your uh, – when did you find out that, that Coach Pinkle was retiring and, and what was your immediate thoughts? I kind of found out before everybody else in a sense because, you know, I kind of, you know, have a few sources in the program. <laughs> I won't say it was too much before everyone, everyone else, but I did find out before it kind of hit the big media. But um, I don't know. I was I was heartbroken. Um, you know, a guy like Coach Pinkle, who's like a father figure to me in a sense, you know, just to hear, you know, he's retiring and he's stepping away from Mizzou football. But, you know, kind of hurt because that's a guy that, you know, without him, Mizzou football wouldn't be Mizzou football. You know, the opportunity probably wouldn't be there for like a coach Odom to take on a, a great program in the SEC or Mizzou probably would have never had the chance to even get in the SEC. And so, I mean, it kind of hurt, but you know, 
Coach Odom is a great guy to take over after a guy like Coach Pinkle. And, uh, you know, they're both uh, Mizzou-made guys. And so I'm excited about, you know, one career uh, starting, but I'm also sad about Coach Pinkle uh, time ending at Mizzou at the same time. Yeah, who, uh, whether it's your coaches or uh, or guys you played with, I mean, who are the guys you still really keep in, in close touch with? Well, it's funny. Everybody. I talked to Coach Pinkle last Monday. <laughs> I talked to Coach Hill, you know, a week before that. I talked to Michael Sam this morning. I talked to Marvin Foster every day. Henry Josie a week ago. Kendall Lawrence. Jimmy Hunt. Buzz Sasser. Um, wow. Everybody. Darvin Ross. EJ. Sheldon a week ago. Denzel Martin. I don't know. Like, our team is just so different. Like, I don't know. We have a group message of, like, 20 guys, and we all just talk every day. Like, I don't know. Like, when I say family, like, that's exactly what it is. It's not like, oh, I see, like, Mike, Sam, like, every, like, four months and hear from him. Like, no, we talk. Everybody talks, like, at least three times a week, if not more. Now, that brings up an interesting question for me because people always talk about chemistry on a, on any sports team. But is it important that you guys have that close of a relationship, that a team has relationships like that to be good, or do you really form those relationships once once things start to go well? I think you form them whenever, you know, a family always gets closer when things go bad, and I think that's what happened for us. We had a bad five and seven year the year before my senior year, and we all came close, and a lot of people don't know, but that summer going into that season, you know, our leadership was questioning. Me and Mike Sam had a fight, and like a little, not like a fight, but like we got into an altercation mm-hmm. like that summer before our season started. And right after that, the team just like clicked. And as everybody knows, me and Mike Sam are like best friends, but we both wanted to win and stuff so bad that year that everybody kind of saw that in us, the hunger. And the younger guys gravitated towards it. And I mean, that season, you know, the chemistry that our whole team just had as, as a whole, you know, it, it was a brotherhood. And so we just went out and fought for each other. You take a team like LSU that year who had Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Jeremy Hill, Zach Maddenberger, who didn't have as quite a good a record as we did, but you know, arguably they had better skill guys than we did. But we just had a a, a better family in our in our building, I think. All right, now I don't want this to come off as me questioning your toughness, but Mike Sam, you're giving up some uh, you were giving up some pounds in that one. I, I hope it wasn't too serious of an altercation. Yeah, I'm telling you this though, if it would have went, you know, he, he he knows better. You know, they can't measure heart. He that's a that's a battle he can't win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now you you mentioned LSU, and and I don't know if you're in Louisiana now or not, but any chance you get to uh, to go see Mizzou play down there for the first time here in a couple weeks? I'm there. I'm I'm there. I'm painted in black and gold. I'm a tiger. Um, I'm at that game for sure. Won't miss it. Any other ones you you might have a chance to get back to here in Columbia? I don't know. It just depends on if somebody calls me over to wash their dishes, so I have to move <laughs> back to Columbia or not. So it just all depends. I just got back to Louisiana. I was in Canada. And so I'm just kind of visiting my family right now. But the plan is to get back to Columbia. Like I said, I moved my little brother there. I can't leave him there as a loner. Yeah. Now, I, I mean, hey, if you're looking for a job, you mentioned sources in the program. You can talk. Man, somebody's going to hire you in the media, right? That's what I'm thinking. You know, I could kind of be like an inside scoop to somebody, you know, kind of that, you know, just kind of keep an eye out on the program. I can get the news before the news even breaks. So I, I'm just throwing that out there. Like, come on. Like, no, but, but seriously, no, Mizzou is a great foundation, a great base. Uh, I've talked, I've talked to a lot of people. The opportunities are there. I'm just kind of saying what's best because I am working out and, you know, preparing for next season um, to play ball. So, We'll see what happens. All right, man. Well, best of luck. Uh, hope you hook up, hook on with the CFL team. But if not, I know a lot of people be uh, happy to have you back here in Columbia. And uh, thanks for taking some time, man. All right, thank you. All right, have a good day, Ladamian Washington, former Mizzou wide receiver, and uh, 
honestly, I mean, one of, from a media perspective, one of the best to deal with. I mean, uh, it, Missouri fans, I think if you're listening to this podcast, if you even know how to find us, you know LaDamian Washington's story. But, uh, I, I mean, his, his mom, four kids, single mom, passed away when he was, I believe, in middle school after a basketball game, and, and those kids basically raised themselves. And you heard him saying he's moved a couple of his brothers to Columbia. Uh, great family and a uh, really good kid and glad that he's one of the first ones, uh, first former players that we got to have on the uh, on the podcast and something we're going to try to do here over the next few weeks. Uh, I've already talked with James Franklin, who was LaDamian's quarterback, and uh, James is going to come on the podcast here sometime soon and try to, you know, line up some other former players for you guys and uh, – and just kind of give you a look back and some insight, some great stuff there from LaDamian, kind of a peek behind the curtain. And appreciate him doing that. Appreciate Anthony Dasher previewing Georgia, Missouri. Again, 6.30 Saturday night, folks. Anybody that says they have any idea what to expect out of this game, I think is lying. Um, both teams have, have played a really good game and a really poor game. So we'll uh, see what happens. Uh, one of these teams is going to be 1-0 and in SEC play. The other one's going to be trying to play catch-up the rest of the season. We will be back next Thursday on the podcast and, of course, full coverage Saturday night from Faroe Field. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.